It's time for CBB 365 with your hosts, Adam Hipsky and Patrick Dallahan. All right, and now we are joined by a very special guest. If you paid literally any attention to any Big E sport ever, you'll know who this is. We're joined by John Fanta, the, the man in Big East media. If you watch the Big East, you know who he is. He's, it's super exciting to have you on to discuss the Big East with us today. Patrick, Adam, it's super exciting to be both with both of you and to think that we are a week out as we record from college basketball tipping off. It's a really yeah. sensational time. I am pumped for this season. I think we are in for a big year, tons of experienced guys that we're going to talk about. This is going to be a fun ride mm-hmm. to the big dance floor. I agree. And um, speaking of, let's just get right into it. And speaking of teams that are they're tipping off, UConn had their first open open practice in a really long time last night at Gamble Pavilion, and they're they're primed to have an interesting year. I mean, not many people know any Big East team better than you do. So, John, what are your thoughts on on the Huskies coming into this season? Well, I think that when you look at UConn, they were top ten in the country, seventh to be exact in two-point field goal percentage defense last year. This is a great defensive team. This is a terrific shot-blocking team. UConn's strength comes in the front court. Adama Sonogo is a sophomore who is poised to take off. Isaiah Whaley, the wrench, is going to hold things down there as well. The wrench. Physical. Yeah, <laughs> wrench. That's his nickname. I love that nickname. It's a great nickname. Love it. Love it. I think for UConn, the question is, who is taking the last shot of the game? when they need that big-time shot. James Booknight was previously that guy. R.J. Cole should be a candidate for it. Tyrese Martin is another candidate. The key as well for UConn is what are they getting from their complementary players offensively? Like an Andre Jackson, who was injured for a majority of last season, never really mm-hmm. found his rhythm. A Cook a Cook is a versatile Swiss Army Knife type player. What are they getting from him? The freshman. You know, you've got uh, Jordan Hawkins. You've got... Uh, Russell Diggins, you're in a position where you've got some quality talent coming in. What are these guys giving this team from the from the jump? UConn doesn't need them to be great, but can they be complementary factors on this team? They've got depth. They've got old guys. Can they get a consistent Tyler Polly out on the perimeter? He's kind of an X-factor player. The Huskies, though, are going to be an NCAA right. team this season because they're old, they're deep, and, man, do they make you work for what you get on offense. The biggest question for me, right, is, as a Connecticut resident and and being around a lot of UConn fans, is how are they going to put the ball in the basket? That was something they genuinely struggled with all last year outside of James Book, and I was one of the best scorers in all of the land. And, you know, it's going to be hard to challenging, hard, hard, kind of challenging to re- replace that production because you don't want to put a freshman in that position like Rasul Diggins or Jordan Hawkins but you also don't want to force someone in that position that's not meant to be there. You know, like it's a very, they're, they're at an impasse, I think. Yeah. I, I, I think that for this team on the offensive end of the floor, they have some questions that they need to answer, but bear in mind, Patrick, that this team did have to spend time last year playing without James Booknight. So it's not like it's, they're totally unfamiliar to playing without him. And yeah. I also think, I also think Patrick, that, R.J. Cole was a bucket at Howard, but he was asked to be a different type of player for this team last year, knowing that you have Book Knight on your team. And Tyrese Martin, if he puts his head down, he he's a guy, Dan Hurley told me a couple weeks ago, he could be an NBA player down the road. So 
This is a team that does have some question marks offensively, but can they get stops and can they rebound? Their best form of offense at times might be offensive rebounding. And then moving away from UConn, uh, going to what we thought was the top team in the Big East last year, Villanova, they return an all-Big East first-teamer and then also depart one in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. What do you see from Villanova this year? I see a team that has the best point guard in, in America in Colin Gillespie who comes back from the MCL injury, comes back for a fifth season. And I see a, a really dynamic player who can play the three or the four in Jermaine Samuels, who's just, he sets the tone defensively. He's the kind of leader you want on your team. He makes it happen for the Wildcats in a variety of ways. What I see as a problem is, do they have enough beyond those two and Justin Moore and how big of a leap does Justin Moore make for Villanova? Jeremiah Robinson Earl made that leap as a sophomore. Can Justin Moore now make a leap as a junior and be a guy who's averaging 16 points per game, shooting the three consistently, being a leader for this team? If he becomes that Josh Hart-like presence, then Villanova can be a Final Four team. Where there's an unknown is Brandon Slater. Hasn't done much throughout his career. They're relying on him. Brian Antoine, can he stay healthy? Is he going to come back from his injury? Trey mm-hmm. Patterson, young player. Uh, Angelo Brizzi and Jordan Longino, freshman. What can you expect? Eric Dixon. Villanova's front court is very thin. And their strength is the perimeter, but it is especially thin this year. And I'm not trying to be harsh on them. I just think they're ranked fourth in the country. They need to find enough complimentary scoring to be that good of a team, and they need Justin Moore to blossom into a superstar. Remember, Villanova in 2018 had four NBA draft picks, and in 2016 they had a couple as well. This this program is known for NBA talent in the recent years. Does this Villanova team have an NBA player? That's a big question. I, I think a very interesting storyline as you followed is to follow, I mean – is Brian Antoine, right? I really think that he has the talent. Like we saw him play against North Texas a little bit in the tournament last year. We saw him play against Baylor a little bit, just a couple minutes here and there. But I think that like him and Justin Moore, as you said, two of the most important guys on this team, if they're able to take that leap and get to the next level, like that would be huge for them as far as scoring the ball and defense goes. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that, they're in a position um, with Moore to be a, a terrific team. I think that they need Justin Moore to be the alpha of the team at times. He's got to be that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Last year, he wasn't that type of guy, Patrick, like that. And that's okay. That's okay. Guys gradually progress yeah. in their roles. But if Villanova finds, you know what Villanova to meet comes down to is do you have shooters on the perimeter that benefit off of Colin Gillespie? And if the answer to that question is yes, they do, they're going to be really, really tough to stop. And I think another interesting guy was a top 40 guy coming out of high school. Hasn't only played in two games at Villanova, Trey Patterson. Yeah. I think this guy's got the talent. Now, do you think that this guy can take the leap and be a potential playmaker and a scorer for this Villanova team this year? Well, I think he can be because Jay Wright's so good with talent development. It's his, it's his staple. And Trey is a six foot nine forward on a team that is relatively thin when you think about their length. 
So I look for Trey Patterson to be a guy who's a wing who, who makes plays. I don't know what his scoring prowess will look like, but if he can defend, you're going to find your way on the floor for Jay Wright. If you, and if you're playing for Jay Wright, you have some semblance of a jumper. So for Trey, you know, it's all about just staying within himself, being that, that other role guy for this team. Villanova doesn't need you to be a superstar when they've got Gillespie, when they've got Moore, when they've got Samuels. They need Trey Patterson to come in and just know his role. So to answer your question, Adam, can he be that? Absolutely. And uh, let's move on. Let's take a trip to South Orange, New Jersey, a little bit north of Philadelphia and Villanova, your alma mater, the Seton Hall Pirates. Uh, they're, they're, they're set to have a pretty interesting year under, under Kevin Willard. They lose Sandro Mamukulashvili, but they bring, in, they bring in a great transfer, obviously didn't play the, doesn't play the same position in, in Kadari Richmond. So I'm wondering, what do you think – that the chiropractor has in store for Seton Hall, this team? <laughs> well, I think that last year, Seton Hall's biggest issue was they didn't have a point guard. Bryce Aiken was hurt. Shavar Reynolds, was a former walk-on, who tried to do his best, but he wasn't consistent enough. Now you have a high-power point guard. Kadari Richmond, the Syracuse transfer, will be the engine of the team. He's a defender. He's someone who creates for others. He's a great passer, guys. This, this kid is a great passer. Jared Roden is ready to be a star. He's, he's ready to blossom into that Big East player of the year type of player. Mamu Kelashvili was an outstanding player. But you got to have guard play. Seton Hall didn't get it consistently enough to win big games. Richmond will help manage the game. Miles Kale is back. He's a guy that you can have as old reliable out there on the floor. Roden, Tyree Samuel at the four. I think Seton Hall's most interesting position is actually power forward with Alexis Yetna, the USF transfer, and Tyree Samuel, now the junior. What do they get from that power forward position? They have a seven-footer in Ike Obiago at center. The Pirates should once again be a factor. And the reason why is Kadari Richmond. And then how exactly – you touch on some guys that could fill that role. Now, how exactly do you go about replacing all the production that Mamu Kalashvili gave you, obviously a former Big East first-teamer? Well, there's a reason why he's on the Milwaukee Bucks roster because he was such a unique player, unique talent that you truly don't replace him. But how do you replace his contributions? You replace it through Jared Roden taking off even more. Tyree Samuel being an X factor for this team offensively. Like is he, is the real Tyree Samuel going to step up for this team? Miles Kale. I think that Richmond will help again, different position, but you weren't getting a ton from your point guard spot. Bryce Aiken has been more hurt than healthy throughout his career. Will you get a healthy Bryce Aiken for any period of this season? That remains to be seen. Uh, and, and keep an eye on the name Trey Jackson for this Seton Hall club at the four spot. He's a Missouri transfer. He didn't play much last year. I think he's grown into more of a role. So I don't think there's one way that you replace Mamu, but I think that there's a couple things that Seton Hall can do, and the chiropractor will make those adjustments, Kevin Willard. And then moving to St. John's now, return some key pieces. Posh Alexander really started to step it up at the end of last year. Julian Champagne comes back, and then you get Aaron Wheeler from Purdue. We can break down all these guys, but just start with what you kind of see from St. John's. Maybe not the kind of into a season they wanted last year, not an NCAA tournament team, only played one game in the Big East tournament. But what exactly could you see maybe a next step for this St. John's team this year? Yeah, they need to be an NCAA tournament team this season, and they will be. 
The St. John's Red Storm are going to head back to the big dance. I think that they're a team that's capable of ending their 20-year drought without an NCAA tournament win. Here's why. They have the leading returning scorer in Julian Champagny. They have an elite defender and a reigning Big East freshman of the year in Posh Alexander. Get this, guys. Posh Alexander was the first Big East freshman and defensive player of the year in the same season since Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson. Posh Alexander is big time. Big time. And he's only going to be better. Can he improve his perimeter shot? That's a big question. But you bring in size, Joel Soriano from Fordham, Aaron Wheeler from Purdue. This team now has size. St. John's hasn't had size in the past. They're going to defend. That's 40 minutes of hell for Mike Anderson. Steph Smith from Vermont, Tariq Coburn from Hofstra, Montez Mathis from Rutgers. St. John's did addition by subtraction. It wasn't about who left. It's about who stayed. They kept Champagne. They kept Alexander. They have Dylan Adaiwusu once he becomes healthy, and they have a good core of transfers. This is Mike Anderson's best team that he's had at St. John's. It's time for the Johnnies to make the NCAA tournament. They have high expectations. They need to live up to them in Queens and get back to the big dance. And then specifically, a guy that I really want to touch on, coming from the Big Ten and Aaron Wheeler, didn't seem like he really fit quite that well at Purdue. Now he goes to St. John's. What do you think is different about his, his fit now at St. John's that was different than what you'll see at West Lafayette last year? Well, that he's not playing behind a Matt Harms or a Travion Williams or a, or a Zach Eady. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just not for yeah. you because you're, you're not in a position to succeed. At St. John's, he doesn't have to play behind those guys. And I, I think that, that for Aaron Wheeler, the St. John's system, up and down, we're going to press you loose type of system it's a loose style it's kind of instinctive St. John's doesn't run a ton of sets they're an instinctive team I think that those things lend themselves to for St. John's to be a real you know a real factor um and I think that Aaron Wheeler's a team or Aaron Wheeler's a player who who should be able to succeed on this St. John's team because he is no longer having to fight for minutes he knows he's going to get on the floor. A lot of kids struggle when they have the pressure on them. And if I make one mistake, I'm out of the game. That's not the case here. You know, Aaron Wheeler is going to have a role. He knows he's going to have a role. When you play at Purdue, if you make a mistake, Matt Painter's got Zach Eady and Travion Williams waiting. Waiting. That doesn't work for Aaron Wheeler. He needed a different setting. This provides him with that. I think he can benefit from it too. And that's nothing against Matt Painter. It's just by virtue of how good Purdue is. That's a national championship caliber team this season. When you talk about teams that have elite bigs, not many had had a front court last year in the Big East, at least. That was better than Georgetown. Uh, they obviously had Curtis Wahab. They, they, they won the, in my opinion, they won the Big East because of their elite rim protection and, and, an inside offense because nobody could, could handle their size, but they lost, they lost Wahab. Um, they return a, a bunch of guys, um, but they also lost four players. They bring in a good recruiting class. What do you see in the future? Like, how do you think they'll rebound from a successful postseason last year? Well, I think that this is a team that's in a rebuilding season. And I know Georgetown Hoya fans do not want to hear that. The key for Georgetown is can they keep this freshman class together and not have transfers and not have 
roster issues. They need to have roster continuity. Amino Mohammed, five-star player. I think he's a five-star person. I think he adds a ton to this program. Uh, Tyler Beard, Jordan Riley should be contributors here throughout their careers. Ryan Matumbo, quality addition, you know, uh, a center who's versatile. I've heard great things about his offense. I think he's got to come into his own defensively. And that's the problem with such a young team. They don't have a defensive DNA. It's really hard when you're young to develop a defensive DNA. And it's really hard when you're, when you're a Georgetown team that has, that's counting on uh, Dante Harris, a sophomore point guard, and then a Siena transfer, Donald Carey, to be the leaders of the team. You know, the writing's on the wall. This is a season where Georgetown is going to have to learn. They're going to have to go through growing pains. If by February they're a team that shows, hey, they could win a couple of Big East games, keep those guys at Georgetown. Go through a normal offseason with them, a big offseason with them. 2022-23 is the year where we should have major expectations for the Hoyas. I think that this season is one where you say, you know what? This is the deck of cards. This is a young team. We know how youth works in college basketball. And it's why teams like a Georgetown, like a Creighton even, are in the back half of the Big East preseason coaches poll because they are so young. You mentioned that you think that this year's a rebuilding year and that this team next season should have high expectations. What is the ceiling for this Georgetown team? A rebuilding season, do you think that there is a possibility that they make it back to the big dance and build on that kind of magical run they had last year? This season? I don't think that this is an NCAA tournament team this season. They're just too young. They're going to have to learn the hard way. Maybe it is. If it is, it's Patrick Ewing's best coaching job, and that comes after he won a Big East tournament last March. There's just too many unknowns with this team. They're asking Timothy Egoefe to replace Kudus Wahab's load, and they're asking Ryan Matumbo to step in and contribute. They're asking Amino Muhammad to be a freshman that's big time, and maybe he will be. But even then, there's a lot of unknowns with this team. And there's too many unknowns for me to sit here and say they're a postseason team. They, they have to keep on growing this year. They have to play things out. I trust Patrick Ewing as a coach. Hoya fans, you got a Big East tournament title. You tasted what can happen at Georgetown if you, if you have faith in this coach. If he hangs on to these players going into next season, watch out for the Hoyas. And then the last team that we'll kind of touch on today, the Creighton Blue Jays lose Marcus Zagorowski, which is a huge, huge loss. Big team, Big East, all conference first team last year. Still some pieces that they can build on, though. Ryan Nemhard, Alex O'Connell, then you bring back Ryan Kalkbrenner. This team was a five seed last year. Any chance that they make it back to that level this year? Not as a, not as a five seed. Um, some coaches believe that they could be a team that surprises everybody and ends up contending for the NCAA tournament. I don't know about that. Um, I don't think that this is an NCAA tournament team this season. I think that they're just very young. But I can tell you guys this, you better get Creighton now because if you don't get them now, you're not going to get them after this season. I've heard Ryan Nemhart is going to be a superstar, an absolute superstar for the Creighton Blue Jays. Four-star recruit from Mount Verde Academy, big time, big time talent. You bring in him, you bring in Arthur Kaluma, a stretch four who really fits what Greg McDermott wants offensively. They have Ryan Kalkrunner. They have a kid named Ryan Hawkins. He's a Division II transfer. Keep an eye on him. He's won a lot of games. He's, he's been a national champion. 
there's some real high expectations for Hawkins this season. I think Creighton will be good enough to pick some teams off by the end of the season, not consistent enough because of how young they are. You don't just lose your entire starting five and poof, you're now, you're still an outstanding team. Even the one and done programs don't do that uh, in today's era of college basketball. So I think Creighton is an interesting team, but they're a team to me, they're not one of the five or six best teams in the Big East. They're just too young for you to be able to say that. I think that this league is, it comes down to Villanova, UConn, Xavier, Seton Hall, Butler, St. John's. You know, after those teams, there's a level of unknown. And um, one follow-up I had, you mentioned losing, like, all of your main players, your starting five. Someone that always really stuck out to me on that on that Creighton team was Christian Bishop. He's obviously down in Austin playing for Chris Beard now in his first season at Texas. A high-flying stretch four. What do you think he could do for this? What do you think losing him will do for this Creighton team? My apologies. Uh, a lot, a lot. He would have been counted on to be – a very large piece for the Creighton Blue Jays this season. So it does. It does a lot for this team um, because I, I really like him. I also don't think – like, it would have been more devastating if they lost an outstanding guard, like if a Zegarowski had transferred to Texas. You know, you're, Christian Bishop's a really good player. He's not the difference between winning and losing games. It, it, you do lose a lot. Right. Uh, but it's not – is it demoralizing? No. No. He, he was their third or fourth best player, you know, and maybe on some days he was their second best player, but I don't think guys that like you sit in a position, you're like, Oh, Creighton screwed because they lost Christian Bishop. Christian Bishop used the transfer rule. He goes yeah. to Texas. He does what he does. Creighton's still going to be really, really good uh, in the future. I don't know about this season. I think they're so young, but they're going to be fun to watch because they got a lot of unknowns and I'm intrigued to see what happens. So the Big East a year ago, it looked like they were only going to have three head to the big dance. Then you walk in to the Big, big East tournament and Georgetown finds their way in after a seven and nine conference season. You talked about you think it's down to five or six in the Big East this year. Do you think all five or six of those are NCAA tournament teams? And if so, how many NCAA tournament teams do you think this Big East conference has this season? Yeah, I think that it's a five bid league maybe a six with a team in Dayton. Uh, but I think it's around a five-bid conference this season. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think Villanova's going to dance. I think UConn's going to dance. I think Xavier's going to go in the big dance. I think St. John's goes back to the big dance. And I think it comes down to Seton Hall, Butler, even Providence. Um, but I, I think that you're looking at five teams that make the big dance, maybe a sixth. All right. Uh, John, that, that's all we have for you. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This means, this means a ton to us as college basketball fans and Big East fans. But, um, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on, taking the time out of your day to do this. And we're ramping up to play the season. Patrick, Adam, I'm happy to come on anytime. I appreciate you asking me on. Congratulations on this podcast. You guys have had some big-time guests. I'm just thrilled and humbled to be on. So thank you very much for having me. And, guys, uh, Maybe I'll see you sometime down the road during the season. Maybe we'll do this again. A lot of fun. Thank you.